Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Give me a break. That's what we're going to do, Michael. We're going to be like accounts now in baseball. Uh, was it the Pythagorean theorem? The Pythagorean theorem said that the Red Giants offensive line, that their record should be one and one. That's the Pythagorean theorem said that the Giants offensive line, that their record should be two and all. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Fan Rag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with Fan Rag Sports, and we are your hosts here on a live Instagram edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Good to be back together in the saddle with Kyle. I soloed on Monday, Kyle soloed on Wednesday. And so it's good to uh, have the duo back together here for the people talking NFL draft. Kyle, welcome to the show here on this Friday night. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad we made it to Sweatshirt Friday. Here we are, both repping some sweatshirts. Joe's drinking a Monster Energy drink. Kyle's drinking a coffee with some Dunkin' Donuts, uh, extra sweet, extra heavy creamer. It's 9.40 p.m. Friday night. Uh, we clearly have great social lives. So hat tip to us. And hat tip to everybody who's tuning in with us. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for joining us. <laughs> Uh, for this live episode. We're getting a lot of questions already, Joe. But before we do, uh, we've had some good stuff go up on the site as of late. I want you to talk real quick about your six-pack Thursday that went live 
uh, this past week because it was a doozy. <laughs> Man, that might be an entire show, and I want to get to the people's questions. Um, check it out. Go to ndtscouting.com. Check out my six-pack Thursday. I talked about six mistakes that are bound to happen in the first round of this draft. I don't think I went uh, too far off the rails with things that I think will really happen or why I think they're mistakes. I got into Sam Darnold and why I don't think he should be the number one overall pick. I talked about Josh Allen and why he's not a first-round pick. Denzel Ward and why he's not a top-ten pick. Jair Alexander and why he's the number one corner in this draft. Um, I also got into why Darius Geis falling all the way to Philadelphia at 32 is going to be a mistake for the rest of the NFL by letting that happen. And then I had something else. What was it, Kyle? I don't know. I put you on the spot here, though. This feels good because usually the shoe's on the other foot here. Oh, the other one was the Giants. The Giants. uh, And at number two, for them to do anything other than, one, take a quarterback, or number two, trade back, take that farm worth of draft picks that Buffalo is going to offer and, and position yourself to beef up that uh, that roster with young talent. So for them to sit there and take Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley, I think that's a mistake. Joe, you're sitting, this is wishful thinking here. Giants must trade back with Buffalo and get the farm. Well, if they're not going to take a quarterback, then trade back. Get lots of good players. They they tipped their hand. They when they traded away JPP, they said, you know, they pretty much admitted that they're not ready to compete this year. Get your quarterback and get a bunch of picks. This is why I love Joe Marino, folks, because he frames the argument in a way he he builds the strong case. This is not a hot take for the sake of a hot take. This is fun fact. Fun. Okay, I got a fun go, fact. go right ahead. Go ahead. Dave Gettleman. I don't know how long he's been a general manager. I'd guess five, six, seven years, something like that. Never. Never, not once, has he traded back. So if Buffalo's looking to get to number two, I don't know if it's going to happen. Joe, let's let's tap into some of these questions because we already got five or six queued up for us. Thanks to the fine folks tuning in to Draft Dudes Live here on Instagram. If you are not following along with us, you're listening to this after the fact. First of all, shame on you. Just like shame on whoever left us our second one-star review on, in, on iTunes. Uh, not pleased to have found that. We have 96 reviews. 93 of them are five-star reviews. We have one four-star and two one-stars. So if you gave us a one-star, you should feel shame to yourself. But Vinny124 wants to know, do you think that the Redskins' cornerback situation is overblown? I don't think we need a corner in the first round. I would say this, Vinny. I don't think you guys need to take a corner in the first round either. I do think you guys need reinforcements in the secondary. Uh, And this draft class, this was something that I wrote about when I was doing my class overview for the prospectus, which I wrote this morning. I talked about how the corner group seems like it's a lot of scheme-specific players. So by and large, because you have teams that run a lot of press, man, guys that run a lot of teams that run a lot of cover three, uh, cover two zone with collisioning at the line of scrimmage, you're going to have these scheme-specific players that are going to end up being on the board for you. This is not a matter of corner one, two, three, and if you need a corner, you're just going to take the top corner. So uh, I think the fact that there's some versatility in the group, there's a lot of scheme-specific guys for a team like Washington, if they go in the first round, somebody like Josh Jackson. If they go in the second round, maybe somebody like Quentin Meeks will be there. Carlton Davis will be there. I think those big, long, physical corners that can play cover three and kind of cover up for Bashad Breeland's loss, 
Uh, he was set to go to Carolina, failed his physical, so now he's back on the market. Uh, they need somebody out. They do need someone new opposite Josh Norman. And then they lost Fuller with the trade that brought in Alex Smith. So there's a lot of change in, in flux here with the corner situation in Washington. I agree with you, though. They don't have to go in the first round because there's so many scheme-specific guys. They could get a starter on day two. Hey, Kyle, speaking of uh, cornerbacks, Carruthers, too, says how, how high will Denzel Ward go? He's the cornerback from Ohio State. And, um, you know, all indications are that the NFL thinks this is the best corner in the draft, and I think he's one of the best corners in the draft. I think his earliest possibility, and I know this seems a little crazy, is Denver at number five. And, uh, you know, for me, I, as I outlined in my piece, you know, if you're going to be a top five, top ten cornerback, you need to be a player capable of, of taking away the other team's number one receiver. You've got to take away Julio Jones and A.J. Green and Mike Evans. And obviously at 5'10", 182, you know, you're not going to be able to get that physically. Physically, you just can't match up with those guys. Uh, but I think his range is number five. Uh, and, and really, you think about Oakland at number 10. Uh, I think they could certainly use his services. I think they're right now, if you look at this depth chart, they're counting on Sharice Wright to play snaps. And that is a recipe for a disastrous defense. Uh, so I think five to ten is really his range. I think he should go a little further, a little, little. Uh, he shouldn't go that high, but uh, you know, I think really realistically, the way that the NFL values Denzel Ward, he could be top five, top ten pick. Yeah, Joe. Apparently tonight's corner night. We're talking corners and DBs here on Draft Dudes. Ugly underscore war underscore spider wants to know best slot defensive backs. Well. I think that depends on if you're counting safeties or not, because if you're counting safeties, somebody like Justin Reed from Stanford immediately comes to mind. He's a guy that can roll down out of a deep section of the field, play some man-to-man in the slot. If I'm looking at corners, Danny Johnson from Southern this is my dude. I like Danny Johnson a lot. Uh, he's got tremendous ball skills, smaller level of competition coming from an FCS school. I'm going to tell you, don't worry about it. I think he has all the movement skills needed and all the ball skills needed to really be effective. He's the number seven corner on my board. I love Danny Johnson out of Southern. Joe's eyebrows say it all right there, folks. That's correct. I did not misspeak. Number seven corner overall. If I'm moving further down the list, MJ Stewart, Duke Dawson. These are guys that have been talked about a whole lot. Greg Stroman from Virginia Tech is a guy that Joe Marino has liked a lot. He's seen Virginia Tech several times this year. He's giggling over there. Don't let him fool you. Uh, but he likes Greg Stroman a lot as well. Uh, somebody who's a little bit of a hybrid. I don't know if I'd necessarily play him in the nickel for man-to-man situations, but I do want to find an excuse to talk about it. Saran Neal. Uh, Saran Neal from Jacksonville State. Holy cow, this guy is physical. Really like the way he tackles. Kind of a hybrid player, a guy that you could play in in nickel situations, probably more in the box. You can play him up and, and let him play the D-gap, but he's going to be more of a zone defender than a turn and run kind of guy. Um, but he's somebody that, that really surprised me when I watched his tape and I thought was worthy of some mention here just talking about uh, nickel defense and, and defensive backs. So uh, names like MJ Stewart, Duke Dawson, Danny Johnson, they stand out to me as pure nickels. So Ron Neal is a guy that's a nickel defender, not necessarily a nickel corner. Kyle, I want to take this question here from BMT5326. Minka's best position in the NFL, corner or safety? Obviously referring to Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama. I like him as a safety. 
Um, I think if I have one knock on Minka, it's probably that he's a little tight uh, guarding in-breaking or out-breaking routes, and he just kind of allows that quick separation. So I don't necessarily like him in the slaughter at corner for that reason, but the reason I primarily like him at safety is I think he's such a wizard at disguising coverage, and I think that's such an important underrated component of playing safety uh, is being able to hide and, and disguise coverages so that the cornerback, the quarterback, can't get that pre-snap read and know what you're going to be in and allow their progressions, you know, to to net take form based on if it's zone or man. And so I really love that ability in him, and I think you have more opportunities to move him around at safety. So I don't think you're going to see Minka boxed in at any particular one spot. Let him be a versatile defensive back, but primarily as safety as as opposed to cornerback for me. Yeah, I, I really agree, Joe. Uh, Others too wants to know what the Packers' plan should be in this draft. I think it's a great question. I think Green Bay's bought themselves, and they've been abnormally aggressive in free agency. So I think they've bought themselves a lot of flexibility with the signing of guys like Muhammad Wilkerson. So if I'm looking at the Packers and Jimmy Graham, they signed on the offensive side of the football. If I'm looking at the Packers, I think they could really afford to upgrade the inside linebacker group. Right now they're currently started to start Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan with Ahmad Thomas, the only guy currently listed on the two deep behind those guys. They need youth at pass rushers, and they could probably afford with getting away with drafting a couple corners. I think the defensive side of the football for the Packers is going to be really big for them. Um, they, they have a number of options at 14 that I would feel really good at. Josh Jones is one. I would feel really good about uh, Harold Landry if they chose to go pass rusher. If they chose to go inside linebacker, I think they could take Leighton Van Der Esch. I, I don't think the other two will be there for them at 14, but Van Der Esch is a guy that I've always pegged and said, if you're playing an odd man front, I really like what Van Der Esch can do for you. And th- that's probably about Van Der Esch's ceiling in the draft. But I really like that fit. If they went that way, would I love the value? No. Would I understand? Yes. So I think for Green Bay, the game plan is address the back seven on defense. You have to play strong defense, especially in this conference, with some of the other defenses that are being put together, Philadelphia Eagles, regardless of what happens uh, with Bennett. Obviously, the, the breaking news just came out today that he might be in some legal trouble. That Philly defense is scary. That Minnesota defense is scary. You have to be able to play hard-nosed football with those teams. So the best way for you to do that, invest in the defensive side of the ball. Let your elite quarterback win you a game late in a closely contested football game. Kyle, Arizona, actually this question is from Russ Breezy. Uh, Arizona moving on from Jared Valdir, Connor Williams, or Mike McGlinchey? I think it's one of them, despite the need at quarterback. Um, Arizona is an interesting team. First of all, right now they're rolling with Sam Bradford. They're paying him $20 million dollars next year to play quarterback for him. And my goodness, um, that's a lot of money, but uh, he's a guy that requires protection. I mean, he's made a glass dude. He's, he's always hurt. And right now this offensive line in front of him is, is really, really egregious. Um, And uh, you know, they've got to get that right. If they're going to have a chance to move the football. Um, I do think that they are a team that needs a quarterback, obviously, but uh, they're in a, in a peculiar spot there. I think a pick number 14, 15, something right there, 14, 15, 16, and, uh, you know, they're going to be kind of getting what's left. They're, they're the, going to be considering Lamar Jackson if they wanted to reach for Mason Rudolph, but they're probably a team that's going to target a quarterback in the second round. So I do agree that 
the primary need is offensive tackle. And I think, Russ, you've got the right two guys in mind in McGlinchey and Williams. I know for Kyle and myself, despite uh, some of the wavering opinions on Connor Williams, that he's, he's a franchise left tackle to me all day long. I mean, this guy, in terms of his foot speed, his ability to frame pass rushers, his power, his, his punch, it's all good. It's all very technically refined. I think he's a silky smooth left tackle. No, he doesn't have 34, 35-inch arms, but he has 33-inch arms, which meets the threshold. Um, I don't think it's really been a problem for him on tape either, where you, you watch him and say, oh, man, if this guy had a little bit longer arms, he'd be a better left tackle. He's so quick in the lower half that he really kind of overcomes any length deficiency, but the truth is he doesn't have a length deficiency. He's perfectly fine. So um, I don't think they could go wrong with either or. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if they have their choice of both, right? You know, Like if they had Williams and McGlinchey on the clock – uh, available for them when they're on the clock, which one they would take. I think either one's a great pick, and it would be a 10-year a solution potentially at left tackle for them. Amen, Joe. Um, Danny Proud wanted to know, before we had our technical difficulties here, uh, if the Indianapolis Colts could realistically take multiple wide receivers on day two. And I think if you look at the Colts' depth chart, you almost have to. I mean, they have T.Y. Hilton – Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, K.J. Brent, Krishan Hogan, Centravius Jones, Colby Lissenby, DeAndre Smelter. Joe, any of these people moving the needle for you at all? Mm, no, that's, no, that's that's bad, man. That's very bad. It's on, it's on par with the rest of the Colts roster, so they have that going for them. <laughs> but I think if you look at the Colts, obviously they, they required a whole lot of day two capital from the Jets for this trade back three spots which is a home run because odds are they're probably going to get whoever they ended up drafting at three. They, there's a very good chance that player slides to six. So the Colts made a very smart move here to move back in the draft. If I'm looking at the Colts, you know, they have a really quick, shifty guy. They need some size. They need some guys that can play big in the secondary. Maybe a name like James Washington maybe makes sense there. Maybe a name like Corton Sutton makes sense there. Uh, I would like, you know, one of the really polished guys on day two for them, Deshaun Hamilton or Michael Gallup or Dante Pettis. So uh, I think the Colts have a ton of flexibility. It's just a question of when are they going to value and assess these guys and say, we need to pull the trigger. When do they determine and say, we need to pick for a need and we need a starter wide receiver. And who's that gonna, guy going to be for them? I think they definitely pick one especially on day two, would not be surprised if they take multiple guys, Joe. Kyle, I want to take this one from the Buffalo Fanatics, good buddies of mine over there, asking if Mason Rudolph is a legitimate option. And um, I think I might be a little warmer on Rudolph than you are, but um, I still think of him as a guy that might be a serviceable starter one day. Maybe in five or six years we'll see him like A.J. McCarron's viewed right now, maybe a few good starts, a guy that's uh, viewed as a potential bridge-type quarterback. But I don't think you're going to solve your long-term problems at quarterback by by drafting Mason Rudolph. I do like several things about him. I like how he pushes the ball down the field. Uh, I like that he reads reads the whole field. He works his progressions. Uh, he throws a very catchable football. He's okay under pressure. But, uh, you know, you, you just worry that across three seasons, he's been the exact same player, and I haven't seen a lot of growth. And so, you know, I think that he's just going to be that very baseline level type of guy. And, um, you know, I don't think he's going to give you any of the athletic type things, moving around, extending plays, that type of stuff's not going to be there. 
Um, and so I think he's just going to be a very robotic, uh, Chad Henney type quarterback, Agent McCarron type quarterback. I know that you see. Look at that. Now I struck a nerve with Kyle because Kyle, I think in his heart, thinks that Chad, Chad Henney's been robbed of his career. But um, anyways, Mason Rudolph, I think, is a guy that'll be a bridge guy eventually, but he's not going to solve your long term problems. Listen to me. Chad is a great person. Okay. I played high school ball with Chad for a year. I love Chad. And as a Dolphins fan, I also hate Chad because Chad was a second-round <laughs> pick for the Dolphins, and that didn't go too well. Uh, I had another uh, question here for a quarterback, but I want to circle back to one that Damon Caleb asked first. He said, with only one pick on day two, are there any edge rushers the Bears could target there that would be good value? That's a great question because this edge group is complicated. I think there's two guys ahead of the bat. Bradley Chubb and Harold Landry, those guys are the blue chip guys in this pass rushing group. You get beyond those. Arden Key has a litany of character concerns. Josh Sweat had some medical issues and was not super consistent on tape, although I thought he was pretty underrated coming into the combine. He's obviously on everybody's radar now. But I think the odds are pretty good. Josh Sweat ends up going on, on round one. I think he's tested himself up into that conversation. Marcus Davenport also not likely not to be there. So you're left with names like Agbanyo Karanku, Sam Hubbard, Lorenzo Carter, Duke Ejiofor, Ejiofor. I'm sorry, I found out the combine. His name is pronounced Ejiofor. I've been saying it wrong this entire time. So if I look at those guys and I look at the Bears, Bears obviously have a guy who can stand up and rush from a two-point stance, wide angles. Um, so I don't necessarily know if that's another direction that they want to go. They may want to go with a guy who is a little bit more physical. I'll tell you what. I really like an option like Sam Hubbard for the Bears, and here's why. I think Sam Hubbard's probably at his best if his hand is in the dirt as far as a run defender. But my comparison for Sam Hubbard is he's a less dynamic variation of T.J. Watt. And T.J. Watt's gone to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's playing a two-point stance a lot. Really effective with his hands. He's stronger than you give him credit for. I think Sam came in a little overweight at the Combine at 270. Wanted to prove he could play with his hand in the dirt and be effective in that regard. And he did that, but he didn't run his 40. I don't think that's an accident that he came in at 270 and didn't run. So, uh, somebody like Sam Hubbard or Ejiofor even from Wake Forest. I think both of those guys, they offer a little something that uh, the Bears don't have on their roster as far as a guy that's really developed with their hands. Uh, I think uh, Sam Hubbard's a little bit more physical and more set-the-edge style. Edge for parlays contact really well is consistently getting off of contact. So I think those are two names to kind of peg on day two that should be in the ballpark on day two, Joe, uh, that would give the Bears a little something different other than what they have on the roster. Kyle, I like this question here from um, Life of, Life of Braun. Life of Braun. Uh, good nose tackle in day three. I just watched this dude from Oklahoma that I had very, very poor expectations for, Devonta Lampkin. Um, redshirt sophomore declared really out of nowhere, didn't have a lot of familiarity with him, uh, but I scratched and clawed and watched as much tape as I could, and when this dude was in the lineup, he was very disruptive. He's very, very powerful. He's 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 built like a tank. He's like 6'4", 320-plus pounds. I think he ran a 508 at the at the Oklahoma Pro Day this week. And um, I think there's some off-field concerns there that, that kind of 
put him out of favor with that coaching staff. But you could, you see a you see a player that when he was on the field, he was very disruptive. He's very powerful. He can reset the line of scrimmage. He's got the length to play two gaps. He's a super powerful dude at the point of attack. Doesn't offer much in terms of, of pass rushing, but you know he does have that that ability to collapse the pocket with a very very strong bull rush. And so if you're looking for that sleeper, that day day three guy that can be that nose, that true nose in a three four. Devonta Lampkin from Oklahoma. Joe breaking out the deep, deep-named prospects way down on the board. That's what we do for you here on the draft, dudes. A couple questions about Alex Kappa, Humboldt State. Uh, if he would be a reasonable uh, expectation to be a day-one starter uh, for the Houston Texans, who obviously do not have their first couple of draft picks. Uh, this question from N.W. Martin, 625. I like... Alex Kappa a lot. He's in my top 70 prospects for this year's class. Uh, I would say this about Kappa. Much more technically refined than what I would expect from a small school kid coming out of Humboldt State. But I would also say that his feet and his eyes move uh, quicker than what his body can actually back up as far as his mentality. So what I mean by that is this is a player that plays extremely physical. And he's picking guys up and he's throwing guys around and lifting defensive linemen at this, at this level of competition up off the ground and throwing them down. I don't think physically his body is there yet. I think mentally and technically he can move his body in all the ways that they need to move. But when it comes down to are you going to uproot a 270-pound defensive end at the NFL level the, in the capacity in which he did, does and did at Humboldt State, I don't see that correlation there. So if you want to play him early, you have to do so with the understanding that there's going to be some growing pains. This is somebody that physically needs to continue to develop himself, especially in the upper body. So I think you could get away with starting Alex Kappa, but you also need to do that with the asterisk next to his name, knowing that functional strength is a little bit of a question for me coming into at least his rookie season, Joe. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Kyle, this one comes uh, from Life of Braun. Again, I like the questions he sends in. Uh, where should Duke Ajay for go and what makes you like him so much? I think he should go on day two. And... What I like about him is how technically refined he is. Uh, he's not super twitchy. He's not super explosive, but he plays with a lot of power. He knows how to use his hands, and he's long. And I think he's he's very nuanced with how he deals with blocks. I played defensive end in high school. You know, it doesn't say much, but you know, you're kind of taught that there's only a handful of things that an offensive tackle can do to you: they reach you, they can drive, they can pass set, or they can release. And Duke Ajayi for just kind of has a very uh, 
very nuanced approach to how he combats those blocks, and he knows what to do. He knows how to counter those blocks to squeeze down, to work his hips back around and, and uh, keep that outside leverage or uh, rush the passer. He, he recognizes, he reads that set so quickly and knows what to do to beat it. And so I think he's just a very nuanced football player that's technically refined with a lot of power and a lot of length. And, and for me, that's a really nice foundation for a defensive end. Wish we could have seen him test uh, this offseason at the Combiner is pro day. It doesn't look like we're going to get those numbers, but go to the tape, man. He can play. So I had a couple people say that I sounded muffled. Do I sound any better to anybody listening before I continue onward? We're going to wait for just a split second. If the you sound is, fine to me. but I sound fine to you, but you're listening to me on something different. Okay, Carruthers says I'm better. Good. Carruthers, that actually works out quite well because I'm going to answer your question here before we wrap this up. <laughs> you said, will any of the top three defensive backs in this draft fall out of the top ten? I would assume that we're talking about the top three defensive backs being Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Denzel Ward. Joe, is that fair? How would you say? I would guess, yeah. Those were the names in my head when you were going to go through. Okay. So. so I think the best chance right now is actually Minka, which is weird, right? Because we spent a really long time thinking Minka was going to be a lock inside the top ten. Joe does not agree with this, and I don't agree with it either. But, Joe, do the inventory. If you have potentially four quarterbacks going in the first round or in the top ten, you have Bradley Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds. There's a really logistic chance here that this could slide, and you could get Minka to San Francisco, right? Steal. I know it's a steal, but is San Francisco going to go that way? That point, this is something that I actually talked about um, recently on an article that was up on NDT Scouting. Both San Francisco and Oakland, who have picks 9 and 10, those two teams have spent first or second round picks on safeties, multiple safeties, in the last three or four seasons. So if you do, the San Francisco has Jaquiski Tart and Jimmy Ward. I know that's not necessarily going to stop you from adding Minka Fitzpatrick, but if they feel relatively good about the capital that they have there, they just signed Richard Sermon. Are they not going to go out and get a pass rush? And then Oakland just drafted Carl Joseph and Obi Melifonwu in the first two rounds, the past two years. So if I'm sitting here and I'm doing the math, and if Derwin jumps Minka, whichever of those two goes first, the other one I think has the best chance to slide out of the top ten. That's wild, Cal. That's wild to me. That's the NFL draft. So what's this for? I mean, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick being available beyond pick eight is not something I've wrapped my head around. Where I mean, like, well, how Chicago's far not, could this Chicago's go? Chicago's not going to take him. Well, right? I. So Chicago. where does he go? San Francisco might not take him. From what I understand. Oakland? So, oh, I just told you Oakland spent two, two top two. Miami? Safety. That's what I mean. I mean, you start, play, you start playing the game. You got four quarterbacks in the top six. Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley. Okay, you got Tampa Bay. Maybe. But if Quentin Nelson's there, they're almost guaranteed to take Quentin Nelson. And then you got right after them, who picks eight? Total brain. Chicago. Chicago. Chicago's Chicago. not going to take him. 
San Francisco might not take him. Oakland's drafted two safeties in the top two rounds of the last two years. So start playing the game and ask yourselves the questions, and it's it's really fascinating. But I, I think there's a really good chance we see one of those two slide out, and I, I think Derwin's pretty hot right now, and there might be a reason behind that. Kyle, this question here comes from BMT5326. It says, you're the Colts. Chubb, Nelson, and three quarterbacks are off the board. Is there a clear best pick in this spot? Assuming that they're not trading back, I think it's I think it's Saquon Barkley. I think in that situation, you go ahead and get Barkley, snatch him up, have that dynamic run, runner behind Andrew Luck. I know that you got to build that offensive line, you got to build things outside. But at that point, you know, with with the way things unfold, you know, I don't know that you're going to get a player that can impact the team quite like Saquon Barkley could. And and to me, if that scenario played out. That's where I think they should go. I think anything else would be a reach. You know, you start thinking about maybe some of the offensive linemen. But you've got so much other draft capital, especially in the top 50, that I would I would just wait for all those other needs and go ahead and get what I would think would be the clear best player on the board at that time. Joe, I think Kyle. it's about time. About time to wrap this thing up. Uh, let's take one more question before we wrap. Uh, Danny Proud wants to know, could Arden Key play outside linebacker in a 3-4 system? I think that depends on what he decides he wants to play at. Uh, I think it's wild that Arden Key said, hey, I started the season somewhere between 275 and 280, and then comes in and weighs in at the combine in 238 and tests like caca, not good, which is crazy to me. This is somebody that's been talked up about. You know, he's got this great, these great athletic traits, and he's really explosive, and uh, – the vertical was, I think, 31 inches. Like, come on, dude. You you, you started the season at 280. You're going to come in 40 pounds underweight and, and jump 31? So he came in small and tested bad. That's a bad combination. But I think if you look at the traits, if he decides he wants to play somewhere around 250, then, yeah, I think this is somebody that could feasibly play uh, outside linebacker, play stay up or play standing up, I thought his his last two years of tape was a tale of two seasons. 2016, he was really good as a pass rusher, really illustrated everything you wanted to see from a pass rusher perspective, set the LSU single-season record for sacks in the season. Then you fast-forward a year, he comes in a lot heavier in weight, and I thought he got into run fits pretty well. I thought he was able to really stack up blockers well. I just didn't think he had the same juice as a pass rusher. So... Uh, it's an interesting dynamic. It's really going to be how can you harness him? How can you really get him on board with what you're trying to do? Uh, but I do think, yes, he has the physical traits to play stand-up outside linebacker in a 3-4. Joe, uh, we have to answer this question before we let you go. Uh, chicken or meatball parm from Ugly Warspire? Give me, the, give me the chicken. I agree with you 100%. If we're talking parms, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take chicken all day long so like to thank you guys for tuning in to draft dudes live here on this friday night if you missed it and are listening to it on saturday or any other time make sure you hit that subscribe button on itunes or whatever podcast medium you are listening to us on Uh, we have some good stuff coming up throughout the course this week Uh, we're getting real close we're getting ready to switch over in april here in about a week which means the draft is just a couple weeks away Uh, nfl draft prospectus drops on Monday, 
So if you guys did not pre-order copies of NDT Premium, you can for $20 get Joe's Draft Guide and my Draft Guide in the same package for just $20. So what does that give you? That gives you 600 scouting reports on 2018 NFL Draft Prospects. 300 for me, 300 for Joe. The same 300 guys. You get dueling opinions on all 300 guys. So we really feel like we got something special cooking up for you guys. Uh, if you're interested, we highly encourage you to swing over to NDTScouting.com, hit that uh, register button, and that way as soon as these things go live, we'll post on the site, we'll let you know, and you can download them, start digging in. That's something you guys can look forward to at the start of next week. By the time we do this podcast, Joe, the prospectus will be live, which I am greatly looking forward to. A week after that, your portfolio is live. So fun times ahead in preparations for the 2018 NFL Draft. I'm Kyle Krabs at NDT Scouting on Twitter, signing off with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Thank you guys for tuning in to Draft Dudes Live. Have a great weekend. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.